Gene Clower. And uh, uh, normally, when we gather for the round table, I am the most tenured minister up here. But tonight, I am not. And it's an honor to have these gentlemen willing uh, to, to do this. Uh, ben and Jay are at Freed Hardman's lectureship. And so we, we use this as a, an alternative in the absence of so many of our ministers for it. And I'm, I'm indebted to these gentlemen for joining me tonight. And we thought we would tackle the most popular psalm of all time with the collective wisdom that we have in front of us this evening. And so we're going to be addressing Psalm 23 with the roundtable tonight. I encourage you to go ahead and turn to that psalm with us. And uh, Psalm 23 is not a long psalm. It's only six verses. But we're going to take the time to unpack every verse in this psalm tonight. And so what I want to do before we dive into the psalm is just ask one question uh, here at the intro. And that has to do with the author. We're told on the front end of the psalm that it is a psalm of David. What, if any, significance do you ascribe uh, to David being the author of Psalm 23, uh, since it's especially a psalm that focuses on, on shepherding? Because of his early lifestyle, he knew exactly what the shepherd was doing, talking about. And he could fit that into the lesson that he was presenting very, very well. Da yes, sir. David... Very good. David was a young man, and he had much experience in being a shepherd. We're not sure of his age uh, at this time, but he was not a young man when he wrote Psalms uh, 23. So having, having the experience as a youngster, uh, being a shepherd, David can now write with experience. Well, and the only thing I would add, we know from 1 Samuel 16 that he was a shepherd, but also he said he fought for his sheep. He killed a lion and a bear protecting his sheep. Taking care of sheep is not like taking care of a little dog or a cat. It's a 24-7 job. Yeah. It's a great point, and I'm sure we'll expound more on that as we go along through this psalm. So let's go ahead and, and to, to save our time, let's go ahead and look at verse 1, Psalm 23. Uh, more than likely, you could quote it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And tonight, I'm going to ask the same question with every verse, but we're going to have a, a different one of our retired ministers lead our conversation with each verse. Uh, tonight, as we, as we look at each verse, what I want to, us to ask is, what is David communicating about God in that verse, as well as what does that verse, or how does that verse apply to us? So, Brother Gene, why don't you start us off here with verse 1? I don't know about you, but Psalms 23 has been my favorite psalm for a long time, all my life, I think. But, you know, to really understand, to really comprehend the depth of what David is talking about here, we have to kind of get where we can picture a shepherd. Most of you are not familiar with shepherds. I'm not either. I grew up on the farm. We had cattle, but we didn't have sheep. And had we had sheep, it would have been a totally different situation than that of David's day. 
If you see sheep today, it's not like they were when, when David was a shepherd. Then there were no uh, fenced pastures. They had to go out and search all over the countryside to find a place to feed the sheep. And interestingly enough, that shepherd made them so attached to him. They knew his, his voice. They could understand his, his teaching, his talk, his, his leading them to various places. If it was time for them to drink water, he took them to the water and gave them that instruction. And then they would lie down somewhere. In the cool, in the heat of the day, they'd find the coolest spot. But you know, when we think about it, I want you to think the the real key to this psalm is the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. In Hebrew language, only two words. But for us, there's five. The Lord is Jehovah God, because. Jesus wasn't identified as the Savior yet. And he was the one who was leading David and keeping David the way he needs to be. David pictured himself as that sheep. He pictured you and I as sheep and, and God is the, is the great shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. He's the one who he fed the sheep. He found the pastures for them. He worked hard to make sure they had a, a place to eat. If one, you remember the parable Jesus spoke of as the, man, uh, the shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one of them went astray. What did the shepherd do? He left the 99 there and he went after the one that was lost. Found it, put it on his shoulders and carried it back. What a, what a picture that is. What David is picturing for us with these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The sheep didn't want for food because the shepherd found it for them. The sheep didn't, didn't want for water because he always found that water and knew where it was so he could lead them there. He didn't have to drive them as we often drove cattle. He, all he had to do is start out, they followed him. They knew his voice and his commands. And if we can picture that and understand what he's talking about, how, how, how important it is for us to have a, a leader, a guide, a Lord that would provide for us. I shall not want. What's he talking about? The Lord's there. Sometimes we forget. Where, do, where does the food that we eat come from? And I'm not talking about the grocery store. Where does it come? God provides it, does he not? All the the crops that's grown is grown by the power of God. We can think through everything that we need. God provides it for us. What a wonderful opportunity it is to realize that 
that the shepherd is responsible for the sheep. He must locate the best pastures. He must locate the best, best uh, supply for them, whatever it is. And he provides that for them. What a, what a marvelous theory, thought, idea that sets this one whole psalm, six verses, as being important. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. I'll just throw something in regard to that, Brother Gene, that, uh, you know, I can study Psalm 23 and it takes me an hour to get off those first five words. Yeah. yeah. Because they're that deep. Yeah. The, in fact, here's something you might want to try. When you go to, before you go to sleep tonight, say each of those first five words with a different emphasis on each one. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord is, the Lord is mine, the Lord is my shepherd. Because each uh, different pronunciation or each different emphasis will cause you to think more about different characteristics of our God. And one other thing, this Psalm right in the first phrase there indicates the personal nature of it. 17 times, David uses the personal pronouns. This is my shepherd. He's yours too if you're a faithful child of God. But God, this shepherd knows me by name. He is my shepherd. Verse 1 and verse 6. Powerful. Notice David. The Lord. Personal. Pronoun. The Lord is mine shepherd. And David, David knew as a youngster coming up, he knew what it was to be a shepherd. He knew what it was to be a protector. Uh, in 1 Samuel, uh, when we read about David, he mentioned in that chapter, and also 1 Samuel chapter 17, how that uh, a lion and a bear. The lion took the sheep. David left the flock and went after the lion. Young man, ju just, just a young man. And what happened? David killed both the lion and the bear. Brought the sheep back to the flock. David knew from a youngster, from being a young man, that the Lord was his shepherd. And now, here we are. I don't, we don't know, as I said earlier, we're not sure of his age at this time. But being king in, in Hebron for seven years and 33 in Israel, he knew those 40 years that David was king. He knew that the Lord had been his shepherd, had, had been his protector. Can we, can we say that today? My wife and I, we've been married for 53 years. And good people I know, I know, we, we, we've had, we had our ups and downs. It hasn't been perfect. Preached in Valdosta for 40 years. Wasn't, wasn't perfect. 
But I know here I am now going on 80, 79 years old, I'm going on 80. I know, I know the Lord has been our shepherd. I don't regret that. I'm not going to make any excuses. So just, just as David, that, that first verse is powerful. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Powerful. I'll, I'll say a little bit more later on. Let me throw one other thing out there. If David did write this while he was king, he's in a sense viewed by the the people of Israel by, by the citizens of his kingdom as their shepherd and he's saying that the Lord is his shepherd therefore he's saying the Lord is the power behind his throne the Lord is his ultimate source and, his, and, and therefore the ultimate source of, of leading for the nation of Israel it is a, a, a beautiful start to this psalm so let's look at verse 2 now verse 2 says he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters Brother Mike, what is David communicating to us about God in this verse, and, and how does this apply to us? Well, I started to put together some nice images to put on, project onto the screen up there of a sheep lying in the pasture. But you know what? The word pictures in this psalm are so powerful. You don't need to see it on the screen. Do y'all have imaginations? <laughs> do y'all have what we call a mind's eye? Sure you do. Why don't you just take a minute with me, and if you want to close your eyes, and preachers don't give you opportunity to do that often, so you might want to do it. <laughs> but just for a minute, picture this. You've got a very peaceful scene. That's what verse 2 is all about. Picture a nice green pasture or meadowland. Picture a refreshing, still pool of water, so still that the reflection from the sky is showing on it. Picture the sheep just lying there, maybe on a hot summer morning where they're just feeling the cool of the grass beneath them. This is a picture of calm. You know a sheep, and I did grow up in sheep in cow country. A sheep will not lie down if it's agitated. If it's afraid, it will not lie down. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. A couple of points from a grammatical standpoint that I think are important here. First of all, the verbs that he maketh me and he leadeth me. And this is one of the times when I prefer the King James because the ETH indicates a continuous action. And the idea of making is not God forcing the sheep or the shepherd forcing the sheep. It's that he has prepared that for him. He has made this place for the sheep to rest. And again, it's continuous action. But notice also the adjectives. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, mm -hmm. not chewed up pastures, not weedy pastures, mm -hmm. not pastures that are filled with danger, mm -hmm. but green, healthy, lush pastures. He leadeth me beside the second adjective, beside the still waters, not by mm -hmm. rapids, not by things that would be dangerous to the sheep. Folks, what he's portraying here is the shepherd has set up a calm situation. Now, I, I shake, in case you hadn't noticed. And I don't do this because I want to. But that's the physical. Internally, the shepherd says, 
relax. Or Psalm 46 and verse 10, be still and know that I am God. That's the calm that the sheep can know if we'll just trust the shepherd because he makes it for us to where we can be at peace. The peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4, 7. Anything you guys would like to add? Sheep has, will have confidence in the shepherd. He leadeth, he leadeth me beside still waters, not running water. If the sheep fall in, what will happen? That wool will get wet, may drown. But still water. How many of us tonight who are here, how many of us have had problems in our lives and it was only God who led us through the still waters of life? I know I can speak on that behalf. We don't have time. But I know the Lord has worked in my life to lead me and my family beside still waters, not running water, but still waters, refreshing waters. In other words, he's been there. God, God has been there. And many of us who are here tonight can attest to that, that if, if, if it had not been for the good Lord leading me, beside those still waters, where would I be? Would I be in Christ tonight? I want you to know something else along this, this particular line. Every one of us have, have needs. And if we can have the assurance that God is going to lead us in the right way and fulfill our needs, What a, what a blessing it is. And we can depend on that. Not that we can sit with folded hands and wait for some, some uh, uh, food to be served to us. No, that doesn't work that way. He expects us to do what we can do. The sheep could go and eat the grass, grow, and provide for them. But the shepherd has to guide them and help them along the way. How does God guide you? Hopefully through your knowledge of the scriptures and through your determination that you want to serve him. That's how it is that we must serve him. Understanding that he is our God. And he provides for us. Now let's look at verse 3. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Brother Iverson, uh, what is David communicating to us about God in this verse, and, and how does it apply to us today? He re Notice um, the King James Version. He restoreth my soul. There, there, there are those of us here tonight, we haven't always been a member of the body of Christ. 
who is it that led us, Abba, Shepherd, who led us back to the fold? The Lord. He, he restoreth my soul. We, we have the word of God to encourage us. What a, I want a brother, I have a minister here, Brother Cow. What a great lesson we had this morning on faith. Great, great lesson. How is it that our minister was able to come up with a, a great lesson like that? That, on faith, it, it helps to restore our soul. He, God, restored our soul. Not just on Sunday now. But every day that we every day that we live, the Lord restoreth. And, and we have the word of God to help us to be restored, to bring back to life, to give hope. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth. Notice, notice those TH. He, he just don't lead, he just don't restore, but he leadeth with continuation. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. Ooh, thank, we thank God for that. What the world needs tonight, what, I, what our world needs tonight is to be restored in the path of righteousness. We would have a better world. People, if men would just read, not only read this, but abide by it. What's, what's, gonna, what's gonna restore America? What's gonna lead us in, 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 in doing what is right? The word of God, and we need to get back there. So David said, he restored my soul, he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. David wasn't perfect now. He made mistakes, but God. But God brought him back it's to where he should be. We don't have time to go over all the mistakes that David made, but thanks be to God, God was able to restore his soul back to where it should be. And we, there are times when we need to look at ourselves. Some of us may have strayed away, but thanks be to God, we've been restored. Who is it that led us? God. Think for a moment. Every one of us have needed to be restored. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there are times in our life, if we look back, that whatever the situation was has led you away from the Lord some. You need to be restored. It's the Lord that leads you back. He's there with you. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that, that, that this psalm stresses over and over and over again. God is with you. He leads you. He fulfills the needs that you have. Mm -hmm. He's something else. I, I, when we think about he leads me to, to, through these pastures to the clear waters and all of this, 
and restores our soul. He does it. You can think, I, I can think back in my life, and I know that you can too. There are times when maybe, maybe the pressures of this world, whatever, had caused me to, to, to stray away a little bit. And I needed to be brought back. God does it. That helps us. And we, we, regardless of our age or how long we've been married, (laughs) Brother Iverson, Betty and I have been married over 65 years, going on 66. (laughs) Uh, We've... uh, I, I, I started preaching in, in 1960, however long that leaves us now that, to, to think of me being a preacher. But there are times even there when there were weaknesses. I mean, our lives are not perfect. I don't care who we are, how long we've been lived on this earth, or how long we've, we've been married. We're not perfect at it. God restores our soul. He's there to lead us and help us along the way. That's the real message of, of this particular song. The word paths there indicates tracks. In other words, it would suggest that the shepherd is leading the sheep in safe, already laid out, already worn out paths. Perhaps he himself had gone through and chosen the, the places that he felt were the safest for them to travel. But it's not that the sheep are just wandering about. They're being led on a definitive path. And of course, we know the end of that path is in verse 6, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. But notice also at the end of the verse, this is done for his name's sake. What does your version say in verse 3, Kyle? At the end of verse 3, uh, for his name's sake. For his, okay, same as King James. God wants us to be saved. Second Peter 3 and verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How much more evidence do we need of that than the good shepherd laying down his life for us? He leads us in the, leads us in the path or in the way that he has he is already set up, the way for us to go for his name's sake because he wants to save us. Wonderful. Let's go to verse 4 now. Psalm 23 and verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Brother Clover, will you take the lead on this one? It seems to me that at this particular point, David is changing his approach slightly. He's moving from a commentary to, to, to a real prayer. Here's an issue that you and I cannot prevent totally. We may be able through medicine to postpone the time, but we can't prevent it. It's going to happen. The valley of death. To really think that the Lord is going to help me there is more important to us than any other place. I can't think of a time when I found a problem that I thought the Lord couldn't help me with. He can. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
perhaps we should understand and realize this doesn't refer just to the idea of death, physical death, but to the difficult time that generally comes to each one of us. You see, every lonely event, every horrible, difficult, something that we feel and cannot handle and cannot escape, the Lord's there to help us. He's going to lead us through that way. He's going to help us as we go in that particular way. I want you to picture four words that I think is important in this verse. You, God, are with me. You are with me. The most difficult things that come in your life, things that I can't control, I can't, I can't avoid. We're going to have to deal with some of that. But the important thing for us to remember that God is with us. We cannot avoid that. You see, with this statement, it seems that we're, stop think, we're to stop thinking about our problems and think instead about who's with us. And I think there's, empower, there's power to that particular idea. Seems that we're no longer picturing a, a shepherd and sheep. We're picturing God and me. You are with me. That's important for us to think about. The darkness of death is only a shadow after all. We know it's not going to last long and it may be a path that we're somewhere on it and just perhaps just around the turning. Who knows? But to the Christian and to his heart there is the conviction that the hand that guides us through that dark valley is God's hand, Jesus, our Lord's hand. How important it is for us to think that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod. Two things here in the last part of this that I want us to get clear. The rod for the shepherd was a... a, a uh, something that he could defend the sheep with. And he carried it in his belt so that he could use that rod to, to defend the sheep, to chase away the lions and, and the bear and whatever else may cause a problem. And his staff that aids him in walking and providing, leading the sheep where they need to go. Two things that are very important for that shepherd. God has them. He'll make, he'll make uh, use of them in protecting and caring for us. What a blessing we can have. David may have turned the, the purpose of this psalm into a little th deeper thought. And I think he did at this point. I just can easily picture here the scene of the shepherd coming with his sheep up to a difficult part of the journey through a valley, envisioning on the crags up above the wolves 
the mountain lions, the predators that can't wait for the opportunity to get in amongst those sheep and have a feast. Kind of like the fears associated with death, right? But the Lord says, I'm with you. I'm still here. Lord, will you walk with me every step of the way? I'm, I'm, I'm committing myself to you through my obedience to you. Will you stay with me? Yes, I will. How long will you stay with me, Lord? I'll see you through the death portal, and I'll take you on into eternity with me. I'll never leave you. Now, folks, again, we said about verse 2, Brother John, that's peace, isn't it? That is calm. That is peace. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Brother John, you have anything I, I think about, look at it. For thou art with me. David, you remember David was just a youngster when he stood before Goliath? How is it that this youngster only had a slingshot and five smooth stones? But God, was not God with him? When he stood before Goliath, Saul wanted, we don't have time, Saul wanted to kill him. David and his men went and hid in the woods. Who was it that came to David while he was in the woods and, and, and God protected him? While, while David and his men were in the woods, God protected them made sure they had food. But Saul's son, Jonathan, came to David and said, other words, and they were friends, good friends. Jonathan came to David and said, don't worry. You are going to be king in Israel. And it came to pass. For thou art with me. Oh, church, I wish we had time to go into some personal things. I know in my life, I, just, just one. I had, I had colon cancer in 1999. You've heard this before. I thought I was going to die. But here I am today. going through chemo for almost better than six months. For thou art with me. I'm alive today because of God Almighty. And many of you, there are those of you who are sitting out there tonight, you, you, you know what God has done for you? Who was it? God. Almighty God. Oh. David, I don't mean to be talking so much, but da David, David was just a youngster, a young man. He, he was the youngest of his father's household. But oh, look how God, look how God worked with him in all that he had to go through. Oh, church.
Now let's look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Brother Gifford, will you take the lead for us? Sure. Picture a, uh, a shepherd preparing his land for the, the sheep. Philip Keller wrote a book entitled The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. He was himself a shepherd in, in, uh, in Africa as well as in Canada. But he would talk about in the, as the spring thaw began how they would prepare the fields on the tableland. In the southwest they called it the mesas but in the tableland where they would go up to a higher elevation and there the sheep could feed and repose for weeks on end, perhaps even for the whole summer. Mm -hmm. He talked in one particular place where he was a shepherd how they would go in the spring to prepare the land up there and there were some beautiful blue flowers called camas and mixed in with the developing green grass, what a beautiful sight it was. But he said there was also a white cama mm -hmm. and the white cama was poisonous to sheep. And so in the springtime, preparing for the travel to the tableland, he and his helpers, and he said his family would even come with him, would have to go up and individually pick out all those white camas so the sheep wouldn't eat them and die. He was preparing a table for his sheep. In the presence of the enemies, he also noted how the Predators would be surrounding, waiting for a chance to, to jump into the flock. God, you prepare a table before me. You have made it to where I can feast on your word, where I can feast spiritually because of the strength and power of your word. But then he says, thou anointest my head with oil. Sheep are particularly susceptible to parasites. There's one in particular that's very bothersome to him. They call it a, a nose fly because it does just that, and I'm not going to get gross, but it does penetrate the sheep's nose and lays eggs, and the sheep doesn't know what's happening. All it knows is it's, it's bothering it, and it thinks it's coming from the outside, so the sheep who's been infested with the nose flies will go running all around the field and will feel the agony in its head and will beat its head against the ground or against a rock or against a tree and will beat its head to death because of the agitation caused by the nose fly, something as simple as that. But the good shepherd, the one who knows his business, makes up an ointment and covers the sheep's nose to protect it from nose flies. And our good shepherd protects us Keep reading the Psalms. Read, keep reading the Psalms and read about how many times God is presented as a shield, a protector. Does that mean we're free from harm? We're free from difficulties? No, not at all. The shepherd himself in Psalm 118 and verse 12 says, my enemy surrounds me like bees. I don't want to be surrounded by bees. <laughs> so the enemy is still present to try to attack us, but our God is there to protect us. He anoints our head with oil, but then the final phrase, my cup runneth over. It means he's not going to run out. We will not exhaust the grace of God. Did you hear that? 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he was begging for relief from his thorn in the flesh and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. You're not going to run out of the grace of God. My cup runs over every day. Every day. Anything you guys would like to add? What a, what a wonderful <clears throat> choice of words David chooses here. When he talks about how much the Lord does for him, he's kind of changed the idea and, and, and really talking about his relationship with the Lord. How can we measure the relationship with the Lord? The Lord cares for us. And showing that care day by day lets us know how the Lord is taking care of us. Every one of you could look back in your life, or maybe not even back, maybe today you could look at your life and, and number the things that God provides for you. innumerable something we could not ever list you can never list the things you should be grateful for prayers that you should be praying when we pray we pray for a few items but not for the whole list brother Iverson John, do you have anything to add? No. Okay. No. Let's look at the last verse, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We'll turn it over to Brother Iverson to get us started here. Oh, this, this is just so good. You, you look at verse 1 and verse 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's beautiful. Good connection there. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. From a youngster, David could say from, from being a young man, God was his shepherd. And I want, I want our young folks tonight to realize that. Why, why, are you, why are you enjoying your school days and your college days and your coming up? Let, let the Lord, let the Lord be your shepherd. You won't miss anything. All the days of my life. David, David could say that with confidence. What? I don't know how long David lived. Maybe to about 80 or over. We know he was king for 40 years, but he said, all of my life. And I want to say to our, our youth tonight, uh, and Ecclesiastes, if I'm correct, 12 and 1, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. In other words, remember thy shepherd, young people, young people who are here tonight, teenagers. Remember 
the Lord, why are, you, why are you coming up in life? Oh, David, great example of how the Lord took care of this young man up into his kingship. From a young man, God was with him. And God would be, young people who are here tonight, God would be with you, but let the Lord, you let the Lord be your shepherd. Amen. Uh, oh. I came up in life without a father. If my father was to walk in one of these doors, I wouldn't know him, but I knew the Lord. And I'm here today, good people, I'm here today because of God. And I'm so thankful, I'm not ashamed to say it, that I know the Lord was my shepherd. I know, who else? I obeyed the gospel uh, at 15. I was 15 years old when I obeyed the gospel in Jacksonville, Florida. Now I'm 79. Married, been, as I said earlier, Pat and I, we've been married for 53 years. Oh, come on, these men know being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was not always easy. Who was my shepherd? Where we are, where we are tonight, my wife and I, my children, where we are tonight, it's because of God. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Oh, just great. Here's the problem with having preachers up here. We just want to keep on preaching. <laughs> brother, brother Mike, Brother Gene, would you like to add anything on verse 6? I'll just throw this in. This is utter confidence. This is not braggadocia. This is not arrogance. This is confidence. This is like 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, where John is often referred to, the epistle of 1 John, often referred to as the epistle of love. It's the epistle of K-N-O-W also. We can know that we know that we know, not arrogantly, not boastingly, but just that calm. That's what brings the calm and the peace. Lord, I know I'm coming to live with you, and I'm going to keep walking with you because you made me a promise of things greater than anything I could ever have on the mm -hmm. face of this earth. Lord, I'm not going to quit. If you'll just keep leading me, I'll keep following you, mm -hmm. and I will dwell. Can you say that? Oh, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yep. Amen. Great promise. Amen. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me for a study of this beautiful psalm. Uh, me, Ben, Jay, Mingu, we couldn't have done this any better so i appreciate you i'm i'm, I'm humbled to uh, join these men in this study thankful that we have these men in our congregation to share their wisdom and their knowledge and to use their skills for this purpose brother mike can i throw in one more thing absolutely all right i get the epilogue here <laughs> let me just suggest this to you there this passage is so rich the psalm is so rich there are several ways to look at it but let me suggest to you another way to look at it is as a journey Psalm 23 is a journey. It has a beginning, it has a destination. The beginning is when the individual becomes a follower of the shepherd by obedience to Jesus Christ. The destination is the house of God forever. 
But in between the beginning point and the destination, there's a valley. And Hebrews 9.27 says, as Brother Gene indicated earlier, is a valley we're all going to go through unless the Lord returns first. But the God who is our shepherd at the beginning of the journey and at the destination is the same God who is there at the, fa- at the mouth of the valley who puts forth his hand and says, come, don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated by the darkness. I'll take you through. We're on a journey, aren't we? Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for letting me say that. Oh, you're very welcome. Let's close out with a word of prayer this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for being our shepherd. We want to thank you for leading us, for um, providing for us, for protecting us, uh, for being with us in all circumstances, and for blessing us with the opportunity to dwell in your house forever. May we never take for granted who you are and what you do for us. And we're thankful tonight we could study this passage of inspired scripture to get a better understanding of you and your will and your promises. Lord, help us to be sheep that follow. And Lord, help us to be sheep that are obedient. Thank you for sending your son to die for us, for him to become the good shepherd. And Lord, may we live in a way that is pleasing to you. We love you, Lord. And it's through your son's name we pray. Amen.